You're listening to Toe the Line, a podcast by me, Taylor Cleland. Here at Toe the Line, we're talking all things rugby union with a few other sports thrown into the mix, like league, motorsport, tennis, you get the picture. All while pushing the boundaries and making the world of sport more inclusive. I'm ready to use my voice to make impactful change in this world and I hope you'll join me. So let's Toe the Line together. Alright, hello everyone and welcome into episode 4 of Toe the Line. Another epic weekend of sport, lots to go through today. But before we get into that, hello, I hope you're doing well, I hope you had a lovely week, I hope you um, have been taking care of yourself, I hope you're just living your best life, you know, because that's all we can ever ask for. Um, But yeah, before we get into the week of sport, as always, you guys know the drill, we are getting into the question of the week and... And this week I actually had two questions of the week because of, so I had my Rugby World Cup question of the week and then I also had an NRL kind of based question of the week because I thought that would be, I just think considering the big NRL grand finals coming up, I thought it would be a good time to kind of give my NRL listeners and watchers a go at question of the week as well. But we will start off with the, we will start off with the first question of the week, which was, what are your thoughts on the Springboks 7 to 1 bench split? And if you don't know what I mean by that, what I mean by that is the Springboks have kind of implemented this new sort of trick, I guess, for their impact squad or their players on the bench, which is they've got seven forwards on the bench and one back. And there's been a lot of controversy around it, but I kind of love it. I think it's such a cool idea, but um, I've got a lot of responses, so let's just get straight into them. So the first answer for what are your thoughts on the Springbok 7-1 to one bench split was, they are the only squad in the position to do it, leave them at it. And so I replied, um, I love that they're doing, I love that they're doing it, it's epic, in my opinion, it makes the game more exciting, and she responded saying, yeah, for sure, it's just a new tra- tactic, play your own game, which I 100% agree with, I think people get, at the end of the day, it's just sport, okay, and they're not breaking any rules, if they're breaking rules, or like, kind of, ch- like, quote, unquote, cheating, I think I'd have a different opinion on it, but because it's legal, they're not doing anything wrong, I don't know why people are so concerned about it, <laughs> It kind of makes me laugh a little bit. I think what they're doing is amazing. But anyway, moving on to the next answer. As a South African, bless you for saying this, we know our strength and weaknesses. Everything else, everyone else, sorry, is just jealous. They don't think of, they didn't think of it first. And then I've got a couple of other um, comments under this one saying everyone else is just afraid. And then someone else said I would also be. And I said in my last, I think it was either my, last or second to last uh, podcast episode I said that when I saw that bomb squad against um when they were playing against New Zealand at Twickenham before the Rugby World Cup and I saw them getting ready to come onto the to the park or the field or whatever whatever you want to call it I was frightened they were all just standing there the commentators were talking about it it was just like oh my god I'm not even there but I was frightened but so I can 100% understand why people would be scared because I would be too I was scared but I think yeah like I said they're doing such a great job at doing that next comment is yeah it's not the box style nobody else has the players to make it work agree nothing really else to say (laughs) um 
then this is this one I do agree with as well it's all good for them until they lose three backs due to injuries um and to which I replied yeah very true it's definitely a risk that's for sure and it worked this time round for them that will be interesting to what happens in a different scenario which I agree with it is at the end of people were like going on and on and on about how it's risky and they you know they're playing with fire and all this sort of stuff but at the end of the day it's the Springboks choice whether they want to do that or not they're making the decision to put seven forwards on their bench and one back it's a risk they're willing to take and it's worked for them so far we'll get into what I thought of their seven one bench split against Ireland in a little bit but for the most part it is working for them right uh next comment there were so many so many people had so much to say about this comment about this question of the week which I love um the next uh the next reply is that's a legal amount of forwards on the bench and there's no rule saying that they're sorry there's no rule saying that their whole bench can all be can't all be forwards Again, agree. I agree. Uh, next, next reply. It was quite situational. All Blacks had a red card. All Blacks had a red carded lock. I doubt it would have, would have had as an extreme. Let me start again. It was quite situational. All Blacks had a red carded lock. I doubt it would have had an, as an extreme result again. To which I replied, I'm curious why you think this. So. They've replied, the cards mainly, I'm mainly referencing how they absolutely dominated the All Black scrum. Don't think it can always have that much of a difference, but switching out your forward pack will pretty much always have an impact. So I agree, but I think that's the whole reason why they're doing it. I think the spring box scrum and their line out, especially when they're like 5, 10 metres out from the line, I think they do a really good job at... It's kind of hard to defend. In my in my opinion, I think it's hard to defend for a lot of teams when the Springboks have their own scrum or have a line out five meters out from the line because they're usually pretty dominant. So obviously they are obviously they've got a lot of depth in those sort of areas of the game. So why would you not target that? I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I think this comment was kind of coming at it from obviously it's gonna have an impact if you've got seven forwards. To which I'm sort of just like, well, obviously that's what they're trying to do. That's what they're trying to target. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I just think it's obviously what they're trying to do. It's obviously where their strength is at. So, um, yeah. But like I said, we're going to get into that game in a second. Um, One comment I got was, it is not morally correct. Which uh, I don't necessarily agree with. I think... Like what I don't understand what they meant by it's not morally correct. I did reply to them asking what they meant, but they never replied. They just like seen the message, which I thought was quite funny. But yeah, I don't necessarily agree with that comment. I do. I think it's morally correct. I don't think morals have anything to do with a seven-one bench split, in my opinion. Um, and then also this was really um this made me laugh. But um, this one of the Stonebox players, Cheslin Colby, said that he. He, he like admitted that it was a risk which I thought was like quite brave of him to come out and say that it is a risk the last one we have for what are your thoughts on the Springbok 7 to 1 bench split is if there's multiple if there's multiple injuries to the back line then South Africa is screwed which I agree with again they've not kind of come into that sort of issue or trouble yet which is good for them but yeah like I agree if they come into an issue where they're, some of their backs get injured then they really are screwed but again it's a risk they're willing to take 
that's it for those ones my second question of the week was who will win the NRL grand final and I just got one response to this and they've sent me a long DM which I love I love hearing people's opinions on this sort of things I like context I like when people give me context it makes me have a more informed decision myself and it just makes for better content but <laughs> this is what they've said a very tough result to pick but I'm going to stay loyal and back my Panthers to get the job done they've been the best defensive team all season and usually defence counts most in grand finals. I also think they'll handle the build up of grand final week better than a relatively inexperienced and young Broncos team. I'm not confident though. I've been saying this Broncos team is the real deal all year. They've got pretty much every ingredient you'd look for in a premiership winning team. It's just going to be about whether or not they can deliver on the big stage. Parramatta had the blueprint for beating Penrith, but when it came to the grand final, they got caught in the bright lights. One thing's for sure, it's an absolute cracker of a matchup. Bring on the three-peat and remember up the cars. <laughs> Um, that reply really hit the nail on the head for me. I completely agree. I think, I think for me, I haven't watched, I haven't watched every single game of this NRL season. I've watched games here and there, but for the most part, first and foremost, I think the Broncos and the Panthers are the two teams that deserve to be in this grand final. They have been the top two teams throughout the whole season, and I replied to this DM, and we were having a conversation about how the... Um, prelim finals were sort of a little bit of a waste of time because it was I think it was always just going to be the Broncos and the Panthers in the grand final the Broncos do have a really young and like you said inexperienced team which I think I mean to be fair they've been playing well all season they were second on the table when it came to um when the regular season rounds came to an end, they've done really well this season. So in that sense, you'd think that they have what it takes to win. But the Panthers team are super experienced. This is their fourth consecutive final. And I just think that, yeah, they're going to be a hard team to beat. It's a home final for them in Sydney. And yeah, I think it's... I think it's always hard to beat a home, a team at home, let alone a team at home in a grand final with all that kind of crowd support as well. So we'll definitely see. I think it will be an interesting final, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be exciting either way, and I just, I just hope it's like a really good game, which I know it will be. Righty, oh, moving on to what happened in the weekend of sports that was. Obviously, we're going to start with the Rugby World Cup. The probably the most anticipated game of this tournament was the South Africa and Ireland game and that happened on Sunday morning and all I can say is what a game. That South Africa and Ireland game was everything in my opinion that it was hyped up to be. I think it really lived up to the hype. The oh the scoreline was really tight. It was it was low scoring. There was a lot of back and forth, I think. It was such an interesting game from the outset and I can't wait to jump into it. So let's just get straight into it. I've written down notes um, for this game because when I was watching, I was like, okay, I should really, I should really take notes. But first thing I want to touch on is that early on Ireland, the Ireland, sorry, let's start again. First thing I want to touch on was early on the Ireland's line out wasn't good. South Africa, South Africa stole the first three line outs. The first three lineups of the game that Ireland had, South Africa stole all three of them, and they finally got it right on the fourth lineout. Um, 
bearing in mind those first three lineups that Ireland had, they were all pretty close within like close proximity to the South Africa try line. Meaning they could have scored like multiple times and got early points on the board and they just didn't. And I just, it just makes you wonder, you know, the number one team in the world and they couldn't get their line out right for the first three goes. And I just, it's just, you're just leaving points out there on the field in my opinion. And when I, when those like first three early line outs happened, I was for sure thinking, oh, South Africa are going to win. In my head, like I didn't say it out loud, but in my head I was like, South Africa are for sure going to win because Ireland can't sort their shit out in terms of the line out. And I mean, obviously I was wrong if you didn't watch. (laughs) Ireland did win, which was so exciting. But it was just super interesting to me that you've got this number one team in the world in Ireland and they couldn't get their line out sorted for the first three goes. You'd think it's something that they would just have jam packed like they would know what to do and all that sort of stuff obviously I was wrong because they couldn't get it right but um that was kind of the first note I had from that game because early on they were struggling a little bit with the line outs but like I said the fourth time was a charm they got their line out sorted and it worked really well and they were off um the second note I wrote down, which is kind of a funny one, not really about the game, more so about a South African player. His name is Ed, Ed, um his name is Eben Etzbeth. If you don't know who this guy is, please go and Google him now. Look him up. He is a mammoth. But the reason I'm pointing him out is because the commentators, when you know they were like kind of in between, um in between plays in the game and everything, I think the clock was off or something, and one of the commentators was like, Eben Etzebeth is built like a Bulgarian vending machine. A Bulgarian vending machine. And when I heard that, my dad and I just started pissing ourselves because it was just so funny. I don't know what a Bulgarian vending machine looks like, but I can only imagine that it looks somewhat like Eben Etzebeth. In reality, will it... In reality, do I think he looks like a Bulgarian vending machine? No, I would say he looks more like a miniature giant. Um, He is just massive. And when you see him in the line out, it's just like everyone is sort of relatively around the same height. And then you've got even Exabeth, who's like a head above everyone else. And it's just quite funny to see. I I mean, he's a fantastic player. His height does him wonders but yeah I just thought that was comment I just thought that comment was so funny. Now here's where my here's where I wrote down my note about the South Africa 7-1 split on the bench. Um I've written it's a risk they're willing to take and it's 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 a risk they're willing to take and it's so far working for them. However, I do want to point out that I feel like the way they kind of got their impact players on off the bench this time round compared to the game that Twickenham against the All Blacks, I feel like their bench didn't have as much of an impact in this game as it did against the All Blacks. Is that because they were versing Ireland and Ireland, in my opinion, is playing way better than the All Blacks are at the moment, potentially? But I just feel like the impact off the bench for South Africa wasn't as impactful as yeah, like I said, what it was against the All Blacks. But yeah, about the, I want to quickly touch on the Springboks 7-1 to bench split because a lot of people have a lot of things to say about it, hence why I made it my podcast question of the week. I don't have an issue with it, first and foremost. I think if a team has that much depth and they know what parts of the game they are will, that they are wanting to target and they have the depth in that area especially, why would you not do that? They've... <laughs> like South Africa 
obviously know that their scrum and their line out and their forwards in particular, they have enough depth to do that. So why would you not is my first question. My second question is, obviously it's all legal. There's no rules saying that you can or can't do that. So why does everyone have an issue with it? Like I would love, like I genuinely want to know why people have an issue with it. So maybe I can understand where they're coming from. The whole, the whole comment that someone made about it being not morally correct, I don't agree with. I think it has nothing to do with morals just because a team has enough depth to do what South Africa are doing and doing it well. It's got nothing to do with morals. So I just don't understand why that's an issue for people. The only thing that I would say and that someone has already said in my replies is that if there are a couple of injuries in the backs or even one injury in the back, you've only got one reserve back on the bench. (laughs) So you're coming into a little bit of strife if that happens. But they've not come into that issue yet. They They seem to think it's working for them, which it is overall um, I would really like to see what happens later on in the tournament to see if they do get injuries and what happens then how they react how it kind of works for them I think I really want to see that 7-1 bench split under pressure when they don't have when like one of their backs is injured or one of them is sent off or whatever the case is I just really want to see what happens when that bench when that 7-1 bench split is under pressure and what they do then and how it works for them because I think that will be super interesting but for the most part they've not had any issues yet it's working well for them so I don't understand the issue Moving on, I want to talk about Ireland for a bit. Number 13 for Ireland had a head knock in the 19th minute he didn't get sent off for about three minutes after that, like maybe even longer. I want to say maybe maybe upwards between four and five minutes. I don't understand why he wasn't sent off straight away. He had a medic from the team come on to check him. It looked like he was stumbling around a little bit. Why in that moment did he not get sent off? One, I don't know why one of Clare who's stumbling around and obviously in a bit of strife and agony playing in this game especially. Like, why would you want someone continuing to play if they're hurt? Obviously, we're talking about a head knock here. You are messing with people's health when, like, this is, I'm getting so heated at the moment because this is where the issue lies for me. And there's two things I want to say here. The first thing I want to say is that if someone gets a head knock and a medic is coming on to help them, they should immediately have to go off to get checked. I know it's a pain in the ass. I know it might not be anything, but at the end of the day, if you're not doing with if if you're not doing that, you're messing with people's long term health. We obviously know all the studies that are coming out about head knocks and professional athletes, especially in rugby and rugby union, all that sort of stuff. We're seeing the long term a long term effect. Sorry, it has on people when these head knocks aren't being taken seriously. We now have these HIA rules in place. Why not make it a rule that if if a player is, has had a head knock and he's down on the he's down on the grass he's down in the field and a medic comes on they should have to go off and immediately get an HIA he can come back on if he's cleared but if he's not obviously he needs to stay off my second thing I want to say is if a head knock happens because of another player or there are two players that have get head knocks if the head knock occurs due to another player. Um, and a player gets carded or sent off, it should be 
a rule that the player that got his head knocked or her head knocked should have to go off on a media HIA if it's that bad that the that the opposing player had to get sent off or like carded or whatever the whatever the situation was I think in my opinion that that player who got the head knock should have to go off and get an HIA test it just I don't know it just blows my mind that that's not a thing I'm not like like I've said in previous episodes I've never played rugby in my life I've never had I've never been in a situation where I've had a head knock and I've been playing rugby and that's been a thing you know so I don't have that real life lived experience however I feel like you know like I said these you're putting these people's health at risk you're messing with people's health and I just don't understand why they have this HIA rule or this HIA test in the first place when they're not taking it seriously enough in my opinion anyway that's my rant on that's my rant that is my rant moving on um the score was three seven to Ireland at half time and that excited me. I won't lie. I was very excited that Ireland were leaving I uh, were leading, sorry, at the half. Um what can I say? It's exciting. <laughs> um the second half I think Ireland really stamped their mark. Uh, the refing was good in this game. The game was played at somewhat of like a consistent tempo, which I really liked. Ben O'Keefe, who is a New Zealand referee, and I bias, yes, but he did a really good job at kind of keeping the tempo in this game. I think South Africans don't come for me, don't hate me, but I think South Africa are n- notorious for like trying to slow the game down. Um <laughs> Don't come for me because it's just the truth. But for the most part, they get away with it. But I feel like in this game, they didn't get away with it as much as they usually could because Ben O'Keefe was just kind of taking no prisoners. He kept the game moving really well. And it was like, it was just an enjoyable game to watch because it was done at a fast, like, not like a fast pace, but a good tempo. I wasn't bored like in previous games that I've watched. And I've just been like, oh my God, kill me now because this is the most boring game of rugby ever. This game, the South Africa and Ireland game, was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it was just an all-round good game. Uh, the final score was 13-8 to Ireland. I was a little bit panicked there at the end because it looked like South Africa may have had like a last-ditch attempt to get some points, but they weren't successful. And Ireland won, and it was just such an exciting game so I think from this game obviously Ireland are going to top their pool now I assume like yeah I think that's that sounds about right and South Africa will come second which means that bearing in mind and we'll talk about this later that all blacks face Italy this weekend this coming weekend and if they win against Italy which you'd like to think they should it means New Zealand or the All Blacks will come second in their table which means they will be uh, versing Ireland in the quarterfinals which could be interesting do I think they can win do I think the All Blacks can win against Ireland they've got a good shot but the way Ireland are playing at the moment um I'm not too sure but anyway that was the South Africa and Ireland game I really enjoyed it I would love to know what you guys thought if you watched it so leave a comment um if you want to let me know if you want to let me know what you thought of it I thought it was a really good game I really enjoyed it um but moving on to the rest of the Rugby World Cup games on Thursday we had Italy and Uruguay Italy won 38-17 on Friday we had France and Namibia France won 96-0 against Namibia 
which this is my thing. This is what I was talking about last week and I didn't really want to say it because I felt bad but I just thought that the All Blacks game against Namibia, I just thought the scoreline should have been bigger. Um, you've got France here beating Namibia 96 points to nil. And technically, according to most people, All Blacks are technically better or higher ranked than France. So why, <laughs> why did the All Blacks not get more points over Namibia? That's, that's all I'm going to say on it. Anyway, moving on. On Saturday, we had Argentina and Samoa. No, uh, Argentina won 19-10. That game, I believe, was a hard one to watch for a lot of people. Um, yeah, that's really all I'm going to say on that. On Sunday, we had Georgia and Portugal. It was a draw 18-all. We had England and Chile, 71-0. Good win for England. Go England. Um, and then, obviously, that South Africa and Ireland game, 13-8 to Ireland. Uh, this morning, Monday, as I'm recording, we've had Scotland and Tonga. Scotland won 45-17. And currently, currently... Holy crap, this is a live score and it's Wales and Australia. Wales are winning 32-6. <laughs> if you are watching on YouTube right now, I just put my hand over my mouth and gasped because what is happening with Australia at the moment? I Here's my thing and this is a bit of a sidetrack. Here's what I think is happening with Australia. I think Eddie Jones has picked a really, a, across the board, a pretty young team. I don't think he is really too concerned about what happens at this Rugby World Cup. I think he'll be targeting the 2027 Rugby World Cup, which is held in Australia. Um, do I think they could be playing better than what they are? Yes, but again, it's a young team. They're probably building... Should I do I think they should be playing better? Yeah, I do, but at the same time, like I said, they're probably building. I think people are getting way too caught up in the fact that they're not doing that well. At the end of the day, just like France have done um, over the last four or so years, France have been building to this World Cup because it's a home World Cup, and they've had some. They had some poor. Um, they had some poor games at the beginning of their four years and all that sort of stuff. So I don't think it's really too much of a concern. I think Australia will just be building. I think Eddie Jones and Australia will just be building for the 2027 World Cup. It's not looking great for them this World Cup, um, but yeah. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say on that. I love Eddie. <laughs> if you know me or if you've been listening to me for a while, you'll know that I'm a huge fangirl of Eddie. I think he is so bloody cool. Um, and I just think he, he'll he have a plan. Eddie Jones will have a plan. When does Eddie Jones ever not have a plan? Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, moving on to the NRL. <sighs> what... A weekend of prelim finals it was. So on Friday we had the Panthers and the Storm. Panthers won 38-4. Massive win. And then on Saturday I called it. I also called the Panthers game. But I also called this one. The Broncos won over the Warriors 42-12. I called it. I want. Obviously I wanted the Warriors to get through to the grand final. That would have been epic. But at the end of the day... um. They didn't, they got thrashed, 
and Broncos and Panthers both deserve to be in the grand final. Um, obviously, it was just the one try for the Storm in the 10th minute. Um, Panthers scored like six or seven tries, I think it was. I think they scored in like, they scored pretty early on in like the th- like third or fourth minute and then they scored in like the 20th minute 27th um 53rd 55th and 69th minute um yeah crazy good one for them Nathan Cleary got five out of six conversions um he also got two penalty goals and at halftime it was 18-4 so it was a bit like it was a bit like the um the Warriors and Knights game the weekend previous it was like a relatively close scoreline at half time but then like the Warriors did against the Knights the Panthers kind of just poured it on in the second half and really kind of blew out that scoreline um which I find interesting um as for the Broncos and Warriors game there were three tries for the Warriors two by Dallin Washington-Zelezniak and then one by Marcelo Montoya and then the Broncos got seven tries again. Well, the Warriors actually scored first, which I thought was pretty exciting. I thought that when they scored first, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be like a really good game. It's going to be different. I think, you know, they've really got a chance. But then, um, well, they actually got two tries early on and so did the Broncos. But then they didn't have another one until with about like 10 minutes to go in the first half I'm pretty sure they scored no tries in the second half and the Broncos scored um like three or four times in the second half so um yeah again the final score for Broncos and Warriors was 42-12 I mean the Warriors you, you can't you've got to give it to the Warriors because they had a bloody good season but just not quite good enough to get into the grand final which is a shame but um I kind of felt like they weren't gonna make it which people probably aren't gonna like me for that but it's just the truth and we're all about the truth here um that's all for the NRL however we are going into the headlines from around the world and the first headline I have here is about the Delhi M Awards and for those of you who don't know the Delhi M Awards are like the National Rugby League or NRL um, awards for the year. Um, they announced them on Sunday, and uh, there are a no- so there's so there's a Delhi M Award for uh, Team of the Year, and then uh, several individual Delhi M Awards. And I thought I'd just run you through a number of them. Um, so you've got a Delhi M Award for Fullback of the Year, Winger of the Year. There are two winners for winner, uh, Winger of the Year. Center of the Year, there are also two winners. Five-eighth of the Year, Halfback of the Year. Hooker of the Year, Prop of the Year, again, two winners. Second Row of the Year, two winners. Lock of the Year, Coach of the Year, Captain of the Year. Rookie of the Year, Try of the Year, and Tackle of the Year. Um, really interested around Captain of the Year. So the three nominees for Captain of the Year for the Delhi in the Ward are Adam Reynolds from the Broncos, Tohu Harris from the Warriors, and Isaiah Ye- Yeo from the Panthers. Oh, I'm probably butchered that. And then Coach of the Year, we've also got Kevin Walters from the Broncos, Andrew Webster from the Warriors, and Ivan Cleary from the Panthers. So yeah, that would be really interesting. I think it's like, it looks like pretty glitzy and glammy, the Delhi M Awards, which um can't relate. I don't think I would enjoy going to those because I'm just not glitzy and glammy. But anyway, 
Um, <laughs> moving on to other um, <laughs> headlines from around the world. Um, Springbok star Malcolm Marks is out of the Rugby World Cup with a serious knee injury. Um, let me read what it says here. Here. South Africa hooker Malcolm Marks was ruled out of the remainder of the Rugby World Cup on Thursday with what the team described as a long-term knee injury. Marks sustained this injury in a training session on Wednesday and um, the students have said it's a big blow to the defending champions' chances of retaining the title in France with Marks one of the foreign players in the team. Um, South Africa have just won had just one other specialist tocker in the squad in Bongi, oh, I'm so sorry, I don't know how to say that name, who was selected to captain a second-string box team against Romania on Monday. However, South Africa also selected 36-year-old utility forward Dion Ferry in its squad, who can play hooker, as well as his most recent position of flanker. So, he... Side note, that sort of reminds me of Ethan Blackhatter for the All Blacks. Anyway, coach Jax Noongar said Thursday that loose forward Marco Van Staden also had previous experience as a hooker and might be called on to cover that position. He was quoted saying we have enough cover at hooker with um, Bongi. I'm so sorry, I really don't know how to say that name. And Dion in the squad while Marco has also been training there and has been named on all our team sheets so far as a hooker option, he said. Um, we'll assess our needs for the rest of this tournament and confirm who we're calling up as an additional player later this week. They have called in on Andre Collard, who is a number 10. Andre Collard is a number 10. However, I have been wanting him to come back. And this is what I was going to mention in, the, in my notes about the South Africa and Ireland game. Just a little bit of statistic uh, knowledge here for you guys. Whenever Andre Pollard is playing for the, South, for the Springboks, sorry, they win 90% of their games due to his kicking ability. When Faf de Klerk and Marnie Levoc are both playing and Andre Pollard isn't, they win 60% of the games that they play. And Andre Pollard wasn't playing in the Ireland game. Faf de Klerk and Marnie Levoc were. And they left about 10 points out there on the field because they were missing their penalty goals or conversions. And obviously... I, I would just, I think if I was a rugby player, the position I would want to be the least is a goal kicker because that is so much pressure and I just don't think I could take that pressure. <laughs> However, these men are professional rugby players. There was actually one kick where I was like, surely it's going to go through and he completely missed it and I was like, that's a little bit shocking in my opinion. But yeah, like I said, they left about like 10 points out there and that would have, you know, given them the win um but yeah anyway moving on so Andre Pollard has been called in he's not a hooker he is a number 10 and that's that on that staying with the Rugby World Cup for a little bit moving on to the French side though Antoine Dupont who is in a lot of people's opinions, the best rugby player in the world at the moment. Um, he has been ruled out at least for the next few games with a jaw slash cheek injury. Um, early reports this Friday morning around the extent of the injury to Antoine Dupont are not looking good for France and their mercurial captain. Dupont is suspected to have broken a bone in his face following a head-on-head clash with Namibia centre Johan Dessau. He was taken from the pitch to hospital for an 
examination and scans on the suspected break, leaving France facing the nightmare scenario of them without their star captain until the knockout phases of the Rugby World Cup. Um, RNC's thought report that DuPont's brother has confirmed that the scrum half has suffered a fracture to his zygomatic bone. This would normally mean a six-week recovery time, which would end the scrum half's participation in the World Cup. However, all is not lost with hopes that the recovery time could potentially be shortened to four weeks. Depending on the severity of the injury, which is not yet known, with medics waiting for a hematoma to his face to reduce before making any further prognosis, the next 48 hours will be crucial. Um, in the circumstances... It is not inconceivable that DuPont will play with heavy padding to his face or even a protective face mask to allow him to return to the field as early as possible. Should the recovery time be reduced to four weeks, DuPont could yet feature in a potential semi-final should France make it that far, which you'd like to think they would. But yeah, massive blow for France. Um, Antoine DuPont is not only a star player for the French side, but he's also a star player in terms of world rugby as a whole. And yeah, just massive blow for them. Um, leaving the kind of rugby world for a bit and moving on to the football ferns. And if you don't know, the football ferns is New Zealand's women's soccer or football team. Um, and a little bit of a controversial one, Hannah Wilkinson, who is a star player um for the football ferns was sent off after contact with assistant referee and the football ferns lost um at estadio vicentarino de la florida santiago in chile that is a long name they were playing in chile um centurion striker hannah wilkinson was sent off after making contact with an assistant referee early in the second half of the football ferns 3-0 loss to chile in santiago um, the 119 kick veteran appeared to hit the match with the shoes arm as she spun around in frustration after not being awarded a foul when she was blatantly pushed in the back near the sideline 10 minutes after half time. The red card for the ugly incident was a further stain on a poor performance in New Zealand's first outing since hosting the FIFA Women's World Cup alongside Australia in July. Wilkinson is likely to receive a significant ban from the international football coach, uh, the coach said. The coach said her behaviour. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The football firm's coach said her behaviour was not acceptable, and she will now have no choice but to explore other options ahead of next year's Paris Olympics. That is some heavy stuff. The FIFA, dis the FIFA disciplinary code calls for a suspension of at least four matches or an appropriate period of time for unsporting behaviour towards a match official, risking. Rising to at least 10 matches for intimidating or threatening a match official, and at least 15 matches for assaulting a match official, including hitting. New Zealand football has been asked to clarify what the referee deemed Wilkinson's offence to be. Um, and yeah, just not good. Not good at all. Hated the moment type of thing, but again, no excuse. You just should not ever... You just should not ever be <laughs> hitting a referee. Um... But yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. Um, and moving on. Now this one, this next one isn't really a headline, but I did want to mention it because I found it interesting, and I'm not entirely sure where I stand on it. But um, what I want to talk about is a a couple of the old black boys went on like a brand trip slash excursion, quote unquote. Um, on. I believe they had to travel for it because they, I think they were training in Bordeaux and the the brand trip thing 
the grand event slash trip was in Paris and I wanted to talk about it for a number of reasons. The first reason being um, you're at a Rugby World Cup. A Rugby World Cup is every four years. It's like the Rugby Olympics pretty much but it's called a World Cup. Anyway, thank you for pointing that out, Taylor. So smart. Um, the reason I'm bringing this up is because, yes, the All Blacks had a week off. A quote-unquote week off, let's put it, because it wasn't really a week off. They're still in camp. They've still, they've still got games left. And the next game against Italy isn't going to be like an easy, easy game. But the reason I'm pointing, the first reason I'm pointing this out is that I just don't understand why these... I, th- I believe it was Geordie Barrett, Bowden Barrett, Damien McKenzie and Anton Lennart-Brown who went on this kind of grand trip slash grand excursion. Get to the point, Taylor. My point is... My first point is, is that without being controversial or <laughs> rocking the boat in any way, I think it was a little bit poor form for these boys to go to this grand event thing at night, while in camp, while at the Rugby World Cup, people are probably going to think I'm crazy for saying this, but the reason I'm saying this is because when I was a professional slash semi-professional athlete, especially in my swimming days, bearing in mind, when I was like at the peak of my swimming career, I was 15, 16, 17, so I was young, young, like I wasn't like nearly anywhere near these guys' age, I was quite young. We were traveling with a team, we were in camp, we were in pre-camp before our international competition for two weeks. We literally went to the pool to train, back from the pool to the hotel, stay in the hotel, back to the pool to train in the afternoon, and then come back to the hotel. We stayed with the two places we went, bearing in mind we were in LA, Los Angeles for the swimming competition, the... Pain in my body I felt when I found out we travelled all that way and we weren't going to Disneyland, not even after the competition. We weren't allowed to go to Disneyland. I travelled all this way to a new country. I'd never been to America before, obviously never been to Los Angeles before. And we literally, the two places we went were the hotel and the swimming pool and that was it. We weren't allowed to go. We weren't allowed to do anything. We were there for a competition, bearing in mind, this wasn't like a massive, massive, massive international champ- like international competition like World Champs or the Olympics or whatever. This was like a Pan Pacific Championship. So still, like, I was wearing the black, I was wearing the silver fan on my chest. I was wearing a black t-shirt. I was representing my country at an international event. And we weren't allowed to go anywhere because we were there to compete. We were there to, we were there to prepare and all that sort of stuff. So in my head, when I see... And bearing in mind, again, this is like a completely different sport. Swimming and rugby are two completely different sports. The trainings are different. However, I do know that these boys are training pretty hard still over there, especially on their quote-unquote week off. And I just don't, I don't have an issue per se with them going to this brand event. But it it surprised me a little bit that they were allowed to go to this event, especially at a World Cup, when they're not going to top, their pool, you know, they're not going to top their pool, they've already lost to France, they didn't have like a great game against Namibia, yes they won, but yeah, I just don't, 
I don't know if I'm reading too much into it. Like, it, I don't I don't know what this grand event was. They could have just gone there, said hi for five minutes and left. But for me, it just makes me wonder because I've been in a situation where I've been in a professional sorting of environment. I've been on num- a number of professional sorting trips and just... For me personally, my lived experience of these trips was that you were always there, whether you were in pre-camp for however long and then you were there for the competition or whatever, and considering this tournament is over a number of weeks, like, it's not so much pre-camp, they are in, like, the the tournament and competition mode, I just don't, I just find it a little bit weird how they were allowed to go to this brand trip. Like I said, I don't know what happened at this brand trip. I'm just saying from my opinion, in my opinion, as a outsider looking in, I found it a little bit weird that they went to this brand trip in the middle of a rugby world cup. Um, obviously they have, um, obviously they have endorsements from brands that sponsor them and everything that you'd think as a brand, if you're sponsoring an athlete that's in the rugby world cup, you would maybe wait until after the World Cup for these brand events to happen and not have them like right in the middle of a tournament. But anyway, that's my two cents worth on that. Did I just wrangle for like 10 minutes? Most likely. But anyway, you can just fast forward if you don't like it. Um, moving on to the last segment of this podcast for today, which is what is happening over this next weekend in the sport. In the sport, in the sporting world. <laughs> Um, on Thursday, uh, sorry, going back to the Rugby World Cup, on Thursday we had Uruguay versus Namibia, on Friday we have Japan and Samoa, on Saturday we have New Zealand and Italy, which I think will be an interesting game, you'd like to think New Zealand, the All Blacks will win, but you just never know, on Sunday we, oopsies, on Sunday we have Argentina and Chile, also on Sunday we have Fiji and Georgia and then also on Sunday again we have Scotland and Romania, on Monday we have Australia and Portugal and then also on Monday we have South Africa and Tonga. Yeah, another big weekend in the Rugby World Cup, obviously I'll be watching that um, New Zealand and Italy game, I think, yeah, it should be an interesting one, I don't know what will happen in that one. I feel like, I feel like the All Blacks should win, but touch wood, touch wood. Again, I've not jinxed anyone yet, but I just, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think, I think if the All Blacks can sort out their discipline, then they won't have too many issues in beating Italy. But if they haven't sorted out their discipline, then I think we may see a few issues. But we'll just get over that hurdle when it comes when the hurdle is in front of us. <laughs> Why am I like this? Okay, and then we also have the NRL, the big grand final. We have on sun- on Sunday. Oh, it's on Sunday. That's interesting. I thought it would have been on a Saturday. Anyway, doesn't matter what day it's on. This weekend we had the NRL grand final. Panthers versing the Broncos. What do we think, team? I... What do I think? What do I think? I think that the Panthers will win. Um, why do I think that? I think because they've won it the past two or three years, for one. I think they 
know what they're doing when it comes to grand final time. They're experienced. They've got an experienced team. The Broncos, like I was saying earlier in that DM that I received, the Broncos have a young team. However, they have been playing really well all season. Do I think they can really give it to the Panthers? 100%. I think it will be a really good matchup between these two sides. I think the scoreline will be really tight. I think the scoring will be low. I don't think we'll see um, the scoreline as high as it was in these preliminary finals. I think the scoreline will be low. I think it will be quite tight like a quite tight game just overall. I think the Panthers will win by four or six points, maybe. Gosh, I'm getting really technical here. <laughs> um, four or six points. And yeah, I don't... Oh, yeah, I think the Panthers will win. I'd love to see the Broncos win. I don't really have... I don't really have an opinion either way. I don't really... I'm not like a huge fangirl for either team. I'm quite like... I'm Switzerland. I'm Switzerland in this game. But, um, yeah, I just think the Panthers might get that fourth consecutive win. Um... But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, like I said, I think it'll be a really tight game. I think the scoring will be low. I think the points difference at the end will be low. Um, or small, sorry. And yeah, it'll be interesting. It will be. I think it will be such a good game. But it's at 9.30pm New Zealand time on a Sunday. And I'm a bit of a nana. I go to bed. This is a little bit into my personal life. But I go to bed like 8 o'clock at night. Because I get up early. I'm an early morning person. I love getting up early in the morning. And... 9.30 is just a little bit pushing it. But will I try and like boss up and be a big girl and stay up? We'll see. I'll get back to you next week on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, good luck to the Panthers and the Broncos. Not that either of them are probably listening to this. But yeah, it will be super interesting to see what happens. Can't wait to see what happens in that game. And yeah, that's really it for this podcast another epic podcast episode number four we're trucking along team and before I end I do just want to say um I have a number of really exciting opportunities coming up with this podcast we're going to be getting some really amazing guests on the podcast I don't want to give away too much just yet but if you keep an eye on my socials and um I really want to be able to get this community um as front seat as I can into these kind of interviews so I definitely will be putting out um, a question box when these um, players and these athletes are um, confirmed for podcast episodes coming out but if you want um, to if you've got any like burning questions for these athletes when I name them and everything then please make sure you get your questions in um but yeah, I just really want to thank everyone for being here with me. Um, we're four episodes deep now and I am just loving doing this podcast. I don't want to get emotional. I'm an emotional gal, but um, yeah, this community just means a lot to me. I'm really grateful that you're all here with me and I really am just so grateful that we're all going to be able to grow together and as as we get new listeners and new watchers and new followers and new subscribers um, I think we're really going to be able to take this community and grow it to an amazing just like an amazing community an amazing community for people to come into and feel accepted and welcomed and um, yeah that's just like my overall goal for this kind of community is to make sure that everyone feels seen and heard and welcomed and we can all talk about sport and not feel judged for it <laughs> um, 
but yeah lots of exciting things coming in the next few weeks and months and I can't wait to let you guys all know about it um and yeah that's it for this podcast episode thank you so much for being here um yeah I'm just very grateful I am just yeah I I wish there was another word to explain the level of emotion I feel in terms of how thankful and grateful I am to everyone who listens and subscribes and follows and all that sort of stuff it really means the world to me and um yeah lots of exciting things happening and it's all because of you guys so I just want to say a big thank you I love you all so much and I really hope that I get to meet um more and more of you guys in person as we grow together and yeah look forward to what's coming and yeah have an amazing rest of your week take care of yourself be kind to yourself be kind to one another and I will see you back here next week bye also if you're watching an audio just then I did the weirdest guy handshake ever so let's do that again bye everyone